Well, you know, looking at this passage, one of the first questions that comes to mind is, you know, how often do we really have um, an opportunity to build like this? And I'm not talking about what they want you to build or what the system has designed for you to do or building something that isn't yours, that you have to do for money, that your heart isn't really connected to. That really in the end doesn't mean that much. I mean, really build. To work on something that means something with people that you care about, together working towards a purpose where you're helping people uh, to feel like you know, what you're doing every day is what God wants you to do and to be able to participate in that every single day. I mean, perhaps it's to finally own your own business and go out there and just you know, spread out your wings or to finally have a job where it's meaningful and you know, not just coworkers, but what you're putting your hands on every single day is something that uh, is fulfilling and is making a difference. Perhaps it's volunteering some way, somewhere, working at a church, a nonprofit. Um, I mean, just plain being a mother or father. I mean, it, I, I find it interesting that you know we're coming out at a time where it's natural. Uh, these big seasons of Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, um, these huge emotional, loaded type of days, type of words. Um, but I know that uh, for many of us, that's where we find our calling. You know, our fulfillment, our work is by being a parent and building our family. Um, but beyond that, there really aren't that many opportunities in life to build, to really build and not to get caught up in what the system should have for us. And I think it's because, I mean, it's all on us because so much is put on us and we're dealing with so much. We're, we're, we're living in a state of survival, uh, moving. It's what uh, Dennis preached on on Easter, where we're constantly fighting and running. You know, that fight or flight response. I mean, or many, in many of our cases, it's like from one big blow up to the next. You know, that's sort of how we live our lives. Um, one, one crash to the next crash. We're still trying to rebuild, but not really. Um, we can go to the other end of the spectrum where we can go on a bender and the depression sinks in. Um, there may be substances um, or just plain detaching. It's all sort of detaching, that kind of fight or flight cycle. And, you know, it, it goes that way typically until we hit rock bottom, which is always terrible. Uh, the only good thing about it is to know that there's it can't get more terrible um, and that you might be able to turn it around. But but what's better is that we're in that place until someone brings us back with a word, encouragement, a blessing. It just feels like a new season. That some person who reaches out and helps us to feel better, that blesses us, talks to us, listens to us. And for a moment, we have a bit of hope for ourselves, our children, perhaps even for our families, maybe even our whole tribe, maybe even parts of our city or our whole city, Lord, may it be. But then that's when the great panic sets in. It's that when, you know, we start on that path, have a little bit of hope. I don't know about you, but in my mind, I start to think, all right, when are things going to get messed up again and return to that fight or flight struggle? 
And I don't even have the capacity to think like, am I going to mess it up or things just going to get messed up? Because I don't have the capacity to beat myself up, even though I'm ready to do that. Um, you know, to really face what's going on, like, like we can't even handle it because we're barely hanging on as is. You know, it brings us to a place of brokenness where we not only feel broken, we say we are broken. We as a people are broken. And it's simply because we are living in a state of oppression and the oppression is systemic. Racism, classism, all the rest of the isms um, that keep us down as, as, as a people, but also as individuals, we participate in this stuff where we do have a choice, we do have power, but it's so natural to go along with the flow and, and to get ours and to be upset and to stay upset and to be divided, to be conquered, ignorant, traumatized, and poor. And this is the reason why we can't come to a place where we're really building. So cycles goes, goes on, never really leaving that place of anger and depression, let alone really building, working towards something, putting in work every day to build something meaningful with purpose, with people, with God. And I think that's why Nehemiah 4, this, this back end of the chapter is just so encouraging to me. It's encouraging because you just see this beautiful story of a people united, working towards the same cause for themselves and their families. If they had a business, their own business, they were still doing that and putting in this work. If they were doing some other job, uh, they figured out how they could still contribute to this. It's like everyone who was part of the tribe together, they were looking to see how they could throw in on this work. Why? Because their hearts were connected. They were utilizing their gifts. They had special skill sets, different types of jobs, roles, and they were able to put in quality work that will last. I'm not sure if this wall, any remnants of it is still like the wall that they're fighting over in the Middle East and Jerusalem, you know, the Wailing Wall where, where you know, I mean, I, I went there with Dennis like 10 years ago and they put these little bits of papers. I, I couldn't even get within like 100 yards of it. It was just too much for me. Um, but just did they know this, that it was going to last that long or be torn down during the Roman occupation? I don't know. But I know that, that when you're working with a group of people shoulder to shoulder that has meaning, um, you feel like it's gonna last. You feel like you're working with a purpose. You feel like it's something that's worth doing. So you put an extra effort. As you put an extra effort, the quality goes up. You work longer, you work harder. Every day is meaningful. That even your sleep and your rest, like what you do outside of work um, is in relation to what you're putting your hands on with that purpose. And it just makes you think like, if we don't have many opportunities to really build like this, because in the end, this is what we want our children to be like, right? When we say, go, you can be anything you want. You can build your family. You can be free. You can franchise out whatever you want to do, son, whatever you want to do, daughter, right? That's what we want for our children. Yet as we say that to our children, we know that there is a little bit of hypocrisy within us because the cycle of fight and flight and traumatization and abuse has beaten us down. And we, we guise it in the sense of that we're hard, we're tough. But that hardness and toughness, you know, we don't want on our children because we want them pursuing every opportunity to build, right? So the question comes as adults, as grown folks who have experienced this cycle of fight and flight. You know, perhaps, you know, years ago, life just dealt you a, a, a big blow and, and you just haven't been able to get past that. Like you've been able to do stuff 
you know, have children, have a job and graduate or whatever, right? But, but you feel like that's just been with you, you know, forever. And so it makes us ask the question that if Nehemiah and this people are coming together on this great, meaningful, purposeful, godly work together, how do we get to do this? How did they lock into this? What were the conditions that allowed this to happen? How? Well, let's just, you know, get right into it. Uh, it says in verse 16 that from that, that day forward, half did the work while the other half stood guard with weapons, shield and armor. And my first thought, I don't know about you guys, but my first thought was like, hey, you know, that's not fair. You shouldn't have to really be rebuilding and fighting at the same time. It's like you don't you don't like fight wars and like rebuild your society. You like wait for all that. What you do is you fight the war, you win, you lose, and then you rebuild or it gets rebuilt in some other country's image, right? I mean, that's been the, the, the tale of history. But here we see that they are rebuilding and warring at the same time. Um, but then it, you start to think it's like, wow, they were able to do both. They had the strength to do both. They had the resolve to do both. I mean, Pastor Steve talked about it last week where um, enemies were working actively against them to stop them, to keep them oppressed. But they all got together and said, no, we're not going to like stop the work to fight them. Uh, we're not just going to fight them or we're not just going to work. We're going to do both. And when we get, to get together, uh, we're going to resolve to not be afraid together. We're not going to be afraid together. It's amazing how you can tell yourself to not be afraid. But when with a group of people and other people are saying to you, I'm going to resolve to not be afraid. It gives you a type of strength. And especially when someone is saying, remember the Lord who is great and awesome, who fights for your families. Amen. I mean, just that type of strength and that type of uh, resolve. Uh, it also shows that, you know, by fighting, being willing to fight, being on guard and building at the same time, that they had enough people to split it up like that, that they could build and fight on many fronts and that they were united enough to do so, that they had enough people to do so. And, and that brings up, you know, one thing is that when you have more people, it's nice, right? You can have big events. Um, you can move a certain way. I mean, just to have like, you know, squad, gang, you know, your posse. I mean, that's the older word that, that we used to use that they don't use anymore. But just, I mean, that's a good feeling. But we also know that the more people, it's more complicated. Some people stand around, some people do stuff, and then people bring their drama because of their differences, because of their past. And it means that this group of people somehow had to get on the work of forgiving each other. I'm sure there were people, and we'll see in chapter five, when Dennis preaches next week about it, there, there was a lot of water under the bridge. They were taken from each other, there was injustice, there was infighting, there was corruption. So it means that if they were gonna do this, that they had to also deal with each other and they couldn't just go about the work like everything was Shangri-La, you know, utopia, that there was really some stuff, you know, and that's usually the word I wouldn't use, but there really was some, some, some crud they had to deal with, you know, with one another. But it's just so encouraging, this picture um, that, that you, you see half doing this, half doing that, that, that there's this unity that's there. And it's encouraging because many of us want to be a part of building something meaningful in our lives, to be a part of something that God is doing. 
And it's meaningful because we know that many of us, just keeping it real, have played ourselves out. We've played people, the history of strained relationships, perhaps even broken some. And, and you say to yourself and to social media that, that what you say is like, I don't mess with people no more. I don't need anyone. It's just me solo. That's me. Lone wolf. Can't trust no one. Got no one. We say that to ourselves and social media. And it feels good to say this. You know, I find myself wanting to say this, even though I'm the last. I got so many people around me. But even me, I was just saying in my stupidity and ignorance and, and fearfulness, say that. Why? Because it feels dang good to say that. Because for a moment, it gives us momentary control and protection. You know, that it, I got it. It's on me. I don't have to deal with everybody. I don't have to keep my heart open until we realize what it is to be left alone. Until we realize that we need help, that we need people. I mean, not just because we're desperate, but when we're at our best selves and we find ourselves wanting to be a part of something and to build something, we find that, that universal truth that we need others and others have to be involved to make that vision happen. So there's this picture of Nehemiah, you know, starting in the beginning of the chapter till now that that they had this strength to build and to fight and to deal with each other, deal with other people. They had enough people, a lot of people to do both. They had the unity to have enough people and get past the drama. So it goes on in verse 17, where it says those who carried the materials did the work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore a sword at his side. You just get this picture that, you know, it's getting more and more organized. When you have people, you need organization, you need leadership. It takes splitting people up into roles, different jobs, different people doing different things with different gifts, not in each other's hair, you know, right? And, and, and when you step back and you see this, like, I mean, we have this going on with Tribe, the nonprofit. They don't see all the inner workings, us getting at each other, sometimes the drama, a lot of drama. But when you just take a look back and just see all that's being done, there's this great harmony where everyone is doing something that not only uh, that they feel like they're good at, up their skill set, but that they're also able to put in quality work for the people. Um, and not just what anyone could do, but, but, but because they've been asked that in their situation, they were able to fill that role and not be doing it in isolation, but as a part of a collective, to be part of a collection, an organization, a tribe that's helping people, making people feel safer, secure, welcome. I mean, in the end, just that, just that platitude of, of having our children have a brighter future. Uh, this is the harmony that you see with the people of Nehemiah. They had builders on the wall, runners, guards, a trumpeter, nobles, who essentially were the funders, officials who were kind of the leaders, but also enablers, you know, working their politics, and Nehemiah and Ezra, as we'll learn later, uh, who are the ministers. I mean, you really need like a whole group of people uh, working together in tandem to make this happen, to, to see this harmony. And it's like we all come with different gifts, with, with something different to give. And we all come to the call from different places in life. I mean, perhaps you've never been invited to the work. You know, you feel hurt and rejected because of that, maybe even cast out and judged. You know, some of us, like I said before, have been taken out the game early. 
where we, our gifts were so tremendous. We were like, I don't even want to use our kids as an example because this, you know, Lord may it not be for them. May may what we experience just be for us, and may our kids be more free to build. And that's that's my prayer. But I just speak on us that maybe some of us early in life, you know, the devil tried to take us out, take us out the game. That there's just so much talent, so much gifting put in us, but we've been beaten down, traumatized, and we need healing. We really need healing. And we come to the work with that type of trauma, that type of needing healing. Maybe some of us are, are tired and disheartened, you know, taken for granted, that we feel taken for granted, but we've also taken the work for granted. That's what happens when you're burnt out. You just take everything for granted, like, oh, whatever, I can't even lock in anymore. Um, and, and also, you know, when, when you're in that place where you're tired and where you're disheartened, I think those of us who felt like that also know failure. Like we're also sort of afraid because we know what failure feels like. Other people coming in fresh don't know that feeling. And as they're moving this way, moving that way, and coming with a lot of optimism, we just say, well, you haven't experienced how people jack each other, how people deceive one another. And then perhaps some of us are coming just ready and willing, excited, you know, but a little bit inexperienced. And I wanna say that it's totally okay to be any of these things when the work is happening. I have no doubt that there were people coming from all of these places. And as we read the rest of Nehemiah, you know, we'll, we'll see more and more of these places that people were coming from. Uh, I, I just want to name that we don't all come ready and willing into the work um, and fresh, and that's completely okay. However God has you come, if you're feeling the call in your life, uh, um, that call is real, and how you come is how you come. So it says in, in, in verse 19, that the work if was extensive and spread out, and you know they were widely separated from each other on the wall. Um, it, not only were there a lot of people, but there was a lot of work to do. They were widely separated so that if you like looked from one side to the other, you might not be able to see the next person. And I just think that's so cool because what I'm used to doing in my life, y'all, is projects that. I'm sort of like I can handle, I can control. What I'm not used to, but I want desperately, is a big vision. It's a huge mission. It's to reach a lot of people, but not just a lot of people like this, but deeply. And to do something, to be on something bigger than ourselves that we can't do alone yet with the same purpose. And I think that as we come from our broken or good places or whatever, I think that when we have work like this, where it's spread out and extensive, this type of work brings healing. It's, it's we don't have to stop what we're doing to go to a counseling session, to, um, to, to, to have long talks with people. While we're on the dang wall, we can have a counseling session. While we're delivering water to people while we're there on guard. We can talk to people like Nehemiah. We can talk to others who can help us through our pain in the work together because there's a trust forming because we're all going the same direction. And, and as we do this, it gets us away from ourselves that, that, that when we're going through that counseling session, the therapy, the, the, the person that we need to listen to us, the person to, to motivate us, it's like our minds and our hearts 
are not refocused upon ourselves and our healing, but instead it's, it's focused out there on the community, on, on us needing to get there together. That it's not focused on our past. Our past gets brought up in a good way. It's all about moving forward in harmony with other people. You guys kind of get this vision that that's being put out here. I could have easily, you know, like slided over these last couple chapters in Nehemiah, but I saw something in here. And especially because chapter five next week is full of like the stuff that that is fun to preach on. It's hard, but it's it's a lot of class differences, you know, how the Lord works it out. But in these last, you know, 16 to 23, you know, seven, eight verses, there, there's something here about about work and putting our hands to it, about tilting a certain way, and I'll explain that word more uh, in a little bit. Now, I'm gonna go here for like five, 10 minutes and be done. And I wanna ask you know, those of you out there who want to put something on your heart to respond, to respond to this call. Um, when I talk about call, it says in verse six, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Wherever you hear of the, the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Uh, you know, what it's saying is, is that there is some mechanism to bring everyone together because all the people were spread out. And, 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 and when you heard this call to come together as one, that Nehemiah says he kept this person, the trumpeter with him, and this person stayed with him so that he could make the call as needed. And I want to say something about leadership because I believe some of us you know, on this call, yes, and if you're listening to this later, have been blessed with leadership. You just have natural talent. It may come out in coaching, it may come out in your families, it may come out in your business, it may come out uh, in sports, I don't know. But if you're a leader, you also know what it is to be torn down as a leader, to put in that sacrifice, the extra hard work, to make a lot of mistakes, um, but then to be talked about and backstabbed and, and even to the point, maybe no one we know has been literally martyred, but, but we love to martyr them, like, you know, and put them to the side. And I just want to say that, that if you recognize leadership's gifts in other people, we need to support our leaders, pray for our leaders, depend on our leaders, and at the same time, know that they are not perfect. They are traumatized and broken persons, too, who may sometimes make the wrong call. And they need healing too. But nonetheless, what is it to support our leadership? Because supporting our leadership is supporting each other. It's, it's saying God has lifted one of us to, 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 to take the lead. And I believe leadership most of the time is situational. It's not all the time you a leader, so you lead in everything. Man, that's just tiresome. You get a big head. You know, one of the main things of leaders that, that I always tell folks is like humility. It's got to be humility. It's like, what good is it to have all that gifting? Play yourself out because no one can't be around you anymore. But even if you have humility, right, it's like it's like you still need your people to be behind you. And, 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 and you know, Nehemiah, he had enemies to deal with. And, and I think the toughest part is, you know, because we know what it is to um, have people tear us down. And it's not just for leaders, but it, it's always those closest to us that hurt us the most. You know, um, an enemy can't make a lie sound like truth. I mean, not really, but a friend can definitely have your life all about be a lie and make it sound like the truth. And, and that's just, that's just like a tough, tough thing. Um, you wanna hit enemies, you know, like straight on rather than having to deal with the side drama with your friends and your family. Uh, yeah, I'll talk more about that in, in a sec here, but um, 
you know, Nehemiah says that, that when the call comes, come together. And in his instance, he was saying to fight, but we'll also see later in, in the book of Nehemiah, that's not just to fight, but it's also to show faith, to praise, to assemble together for worship. What he's basically talking about is this trumpet that, that, that they're saying in a sense of, of building their lives and society is, is we need to come together and protect and be one, show our strength. But when we come together, it's like we're not just coming together and thinking that we're strong. It's that we come together to have more of God in our lives. What Nehemiah, what I'm describing basically is church. And I'm saying we need church. You know, we need, it's like forget church that you have to go to. Forget church that, that, that has no life and, and oppresses you and judges you. You can leave that alone. But I'm saying the type of church that fulfills one of our deepest needs is to connect with our maker and community. Let me repeat that once again. It's, it's to, what church is, is, is to connect with our maker in community. That means not alone. You can pray in your closet and that's powerful, but, but to pray and to worship and to praise and to, and to hear testimony amongst the fellowship of believers, amongst your community. And I just think like, you know, uh, you know within Tribe, there's been a lot of stuff we've been able to do together. Typically, a lot of a lot of guys, you know, I grew up with and I've met since I've been mentoring doing this work. It's been through basketball or skateboarding or or some activity. Right. But, um, you know, these past few years has been off of different stuff. Like it's not just on the hoop court, but we get to like move a bunch of boxes together. We get to drive trucks. We get to be on a peace walk. You know, we get to put on a program for little kids, a summer camp. And uh, it's just so meaningful. You know, I just I keep on telling I don't know how, you know, folks are receiving this who I've known for years. But I'm just like, man, I'm just just happy to to be here with you. And then it doesn't involve a basketball on a court. Um, and imagine and some of you don't have to imagine this because you have this. But imagine with your group of fellas, your 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 group that you that you hang out with that 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 are friends, not blood, but you consider blood. And you're able to not only do this other stuff outside of the context in which you've known them, but also be able to worship and connect with our maker together. I mean, there's no other intimacy we can have with people than to be in that type of, you know, even between my wife and I, the deepest connection that we have is our relationship with God together. And it gets deeper. It doesn't get more shallow when we're in church together with other people who have that connection with God, who don't have that connection with God, who have that connection with each other, and we're there. It's just an amazing thing that, you know, when the trumpet calls, uh, you know, it's not our job to make things happy, happen. And it's not our job to fix ourselves, but it's our job to respond and to show up. When you hear the call, it's our job to respond and show up. It's God's job to do the rest. It's God's job to heal. It's God's job to win the battle, give us strength, give us direction, all of that. But regardless of where we're at, if we hear the call, I mean, I, I could just picture some, some of mine saying, I'm just not ready. I don't know. I've been judged. And it's like, I feel all of that. My only question back to you is, do you hear the call nonetheless? You may feel all that. That's completely okay. You should feel all that. But do you feel the call? Because when you feel the call and you respond, you show up, it gets to be like what verse 21 um, starts to say. So we continue the work from first light of dawn 
till the stars came out. We're afraid of showing up, y'all. We're afraid of responding because we're afraid of failing. We're afraid that the thing is just not going to go. We're afraid that whatever bad happened in the past is going to happen again. And we just want to hold on to whatever good is in our lives. And, and we're, we're afraid to tilt. We're afraid to move forward. We don't want to be discouraged. And we don't want to discontinue. Like once we start, we want to be on that. But we, it's almost like we have to be sure. And, and that, that prevents us from responding to the call. But here in verse 21, it says, we continued this work from first light to the first stars. You know, when people lie on us, I said I was going to come back to this. You know what helps fight that? Because you can have it out with somebody. You can say, man, you back talking, pillow talking on me and, you know, woo woo this. And, and you can just go forever on that. And a person could just make up lies right in front of your face. And some people could tell that your word that other people can't. You know what always fights lies? from people that are close to you who are too weak not to lie about you because they feel that bad about themselves. It's, it's, it's just hard work. It's being consistent. It's continuing on in what God's called you to do so that the truth comes out. That, the, that however someone knew how to make a lie about us, about us sound true, that consistent work to, to, to continue to do it makes the truth eventually come out. And you just see that over time. Like I've just seen instance after instance where folks say, oh yeah, that person doesn't work that hard or that person's not that good or that person got was involved with this. And it's like, at first you can believe them because you don't know and, and you listened to them. But then when you see that person that that person was talking about months later, and you say, well, I don't know. They just came to work every single day and they did their thing. And, and this is the truth to me or, or this other person, you know, they say they never talked anything about me ever. Uh, standing strong, being consistent eventually makes the lie fade away. It makes the truth come to light. Consistent work together helps make this happen. So don't give up. Don't quit. Don't get deterred from the work. And I want to say that the only way that we can do this, because it sounds dang tiring to me. I don't know about you, but it's, it does sound tiring to keep on keeping on. Like when I hear some of the grandmas saying that, I'm like, wow. I got respect for you because I see you doing that, but you also look tired. You also look like you're not going to deal with no mess. And, but you also look like you have the strength about you. And, you know, I think that strength that some of the grandmas and big mamas exhibit is, is just from one place. And that comes from the gospel, from knowing Jesus, that you can't do it by yourself. Everything I'm saying here, um, it's not a self-help talk. It's a come to Jesus talk. That we can't continue to keep on keeping on and be, be strong and have faith and live our lives with purpose and to continue on this work and to wake up and to, to have healing and a sense of freshness. It's God that gives all of that. You know, when I talk about leadership, why does Nehemiah keep the trumpeter close to him and blow the horn? Why does he blow the horn? Well, it's because there's an attack. Well, who controls the attack? It's God. God controls everything. If God is the one that's making us come together, that's pushing the buttons on our lives, how much more sense does it make for us just to get with God directly and say, Lord, even this morning before service, I prayed, Lord, thank you for bringing us together, but please forgive us. We say we need you. We say we need more of you, all of you in our lives. That's what the gospel is. It's just continually just putting ourselves to the side and letting God be bigger in our lives and trusting that that's better. 
It's like, we know that's better mentally, but just trusting that's better in our hearts because we're so afraid to give anybody control, even the Lord of the universe. And finally, it says in verse 22 and 23, it says that they stayed in Jerusalem at night, uh, working by day, guards you know, by night. No one took off her clothes, always ready, even when taking a water break. Now, you know, first of all, they, they didn't go back home for a while. They stayed inside the town. Uh, even their sleep was working because they were just there on guard. Um, just makes me think like when you're about the work, you're about sacrifice. And I don't mean like put in, in 60, 70 hour weeks. I mean, sometimes that happens, but I don't think that's that's good for, for long term. What I mean is just that you are always ready to just put what you need to put on the line. Not just your time, not just some money, but even your future, your land, your livelihood, perhaps your family, your children. That is the toughest, toughest thing. But you know, anything that's like worth getting is gonna, it's gonna require something of us. And may it not cost us our children to the point where it will just break us. Lord, may, I'm not saying that. I don't think the Lord has that call for the most of us. But just in our hearts and our minds to be ready. And that's why I have this picture of this, this boot here. Um, I haven't skied in a long time. Don't like skiing. Don't plan to ever do it again. Uh, but I remember doing it. And I was like, why in the world as I'm putting my feet into these things, can I not like sit back? Everything about it is like it's got your motion forward. You are tilting. And it's not a full tilt like in poker where you making everyone, you know, put it on the line and sacrifice or not. But it's just pointing you in a certain direction, making a stand that is just consistently, like you can see that boot, it's just consistently forward. And that's why I put that as a title you know, of the sermon today is like, are our lives tilting a certain direction? Or are we still living where life is doing stuff to us? Or we're not able to really make choices and have a sense of agency and franchisement and freedom, frankly. Instead, oppression is leading us places because we're still stuck in that cycle of fight and flight. Are we tilted a certain direction, like our face pointed as Flint to say that, no, I'm gonna help build this thing. I see God doing, I hear the call. I don't know it all, I hear the call. And I'm gonna respond. I'm gonna respond each time that trumpet comes up. I'm gonna show up. That's gonna be me. Because I think that we have a real opportunity, y'all, to build in Oakland right now. It's not just because post-pandemic, the pandemic has everything to do with it, but I'm not talking about no recovery back to normal. I'm talking about a recovery into freedom, into love, into life, into a life with Jesus in Jesus' name. And this building something in Oakland is going to be all about building with broken people, you and me and others who we know need healing, the sick and the tired and the broken. I've been at Highland Hospital five times more than I wanted to this past month. And, uh, you know, each time I go, I'm like pretty impressed. Um, doctors, the nurses who hold it all down, the security guards. I just know this one security guard who had, you know, braids and, and blue eyes. I think there were contacts and, and she was like my height. And she just was running, working her butt off, trying to serve everybody in there. She's like, I got you, just wait. You know, she come like two minutes later and, and she's, I'm sorry to make you wait so long. I said, it's all right, it's all right, I know you got me. 
And I just was looking around, you have sick people being brought in, people like woozy, just it's like one of the most depressing places. I have like some, some lightweight PTSD from Highland, but I, it also kind of gave me an image of like, wow, this is how the church should be, is where you have, let's put the doctors to the side because the ultimate doctor is God, but we have a gang of nurses, security guards, you know, janitors, um, you know, people driving the ambulance, there's all that where we're just working all together, trying to provide the conditions and the comfort level so that God can come in and be the great doctor. Amen. That's the opportunity that we have before us, y'all. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Are you ready to join in on this type of work? You might be like, where, where, what, what, what? It's like, I'm not here to say all that. God, God knows what I'm here say is like your first response might be i'm not ready no that's like her reaction my question is do you hear the call do you hear the trumpet i think it's no doubt that that there's work being done out here there's so much money flowing there's so much good happening and at the same time there's more shootings more robbings more racial strife more oppression more corruption more corruption than i've ever done seen like people just lying straight to your face and it just looks like the like I looked like highway when you're not in it. It's like things are just blah, blah, blah. it's like no way I'm gonna be cool over here to the side. I need some control in my life. I can't let stuff like this happen to me again. No, of course none of us are ready. But again, my question is: Is do you hear the call? Because if you hear the call, Jesus will give you the strength to respond and to show up. And then from there, yeah. You might get in the car that's speeding a little fast, going a little bit too fast for your comfort, but you'll also have a tremendous sense of peace. With your feet fitted, tilted from the gospel of peace. And you'll know that, that God is gonna do it. It's God that's gonna make it happen. It's God that's gonna get your family. It's God. That, and I, and I just want to say, just end with me, with me personally as I open up a time, because I'm going to transition where Isabel and I are going to just sing a couple songs. And if y'all want to respond, BK will give you the ability to, you know, unmute. Just raise your hand and you can unmute and just share something. Uh, maybe, you know, how God has been great in your life. How God, how, how God is calling you, how you feel this call, how you feel this, 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 this direction towards tilting, tilting yourself, wanting to move past depression, wanting Jesus in your life. And I'll just just end with just me personally. I won't give you a specific example, but I feel like almost every other decision in my life has to go with, am I going to protect myself and to build my own thing? Or I'm going to like be about what God's called me to do. And sometimes they're not diametrically opposed, you know, but I always have to ask that question. Is this about me and my fear and my protection and my money and just my family? Or is this about the community, the call that God has for me? And sometimes I have to make that choice of, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this other thing because I hear the call and I need to show up. And as I show up, then it's like all the time, God's never failed. I'm still waiting on God on a couple things, but I'm confident he's not going to fail on those things. It's that God shows up. He is there. He makes it happen. Amen. Well, all right, I'm going to say a prayer for us. I'm going to turn off my video because I'm going to move to the other room. But I'm going to say a quick prayer for us, and, uh, and we'll move to, uh, to responding. Again, if you want to respond, just raise your hand, and uh, God, will, 
not God. Yeah, God will. God's doing something in you, but but BK, who is the man behind the curtain, he'll 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 have some you allow allow you to speak. So uh let me pray for us. Hey baby, you want to unmute that and I'll just Dear Lord, we thank you for this time, and we just uh, pray for your blessing, Lord. We just pray for this time where, you know, it's, it's really a time to respond. Um, Lord, none of us are ready. You know this, but we just, we just want more of you. We want you to be great in our lives. We want to testify upon that. We want strength from each other. We want to get in on this work, Lord, and we want to stop the oppression that we see in our lives, but especially for our children, Lord. A lot of us, our children are motivating us, God. And though we may have given up on parts of ourselves, Lord, renew us, renew us this day, Lord. Be great in our lives, Lord, as, you, as I know you have been in so many. Lord, we give you praise, we lift up your name. Um, may you do it, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.